Hello and welcome to Last Time On. This is the podcast for people who want to watch all this prestige television, but who's got time for all this? You know I don't. D- d- I'm too sad to make a pun about time this time. <laughs> this episode is so sad. I'm Jafar. I am Ben. I'm sad. and I'm, I mean, I'm Victor, but I'm sad. <laughs> and today we're talking season seven, episode 18, this Heroes Part Two. The saddest now, episode we have done yet. I know at the start of this episode, we all hit skip that recap. Yes, I hit yes. skip the damn recap this time. But we what we're to... not going to do is <laughs> skip that recast. No. Can't skip the recast. <laughs> and we've got a little bit of recasting to do, and in honor of this episode, we're going to be recasting Dr. Frazier. <laughs> So who wants to start us off? Uh, I'll go since I, I suggested I got one ready. So all right, my pick for Dr. F- Dr. Janet Frazier, we want someone who has an air of innocence about them and someone who appears professional yet vulnerable and delicate. I don't know, maybe vulnerable is not the right word. There's a little bit of a sensual word there, but, <laughs> but someone who has a good bedside manner, I'd, I'd say, has a warm presence. And for that... My pick is Vanessa Smythe, or Vanessa Smith. I might be pronouncing that wrong. It's S-M-Y-T-H-E. She famously portrayed Michio on The Expanse. And I picked her because of there was one scene in The Expanse. Spoiler alert for anyone who mm. hasn't seen The Expanse yet, but there was a scene late in the series where one of her crewmates got an injury and his arm had to be amputated. And she was the one who had to do it. And it was just such, she just, I don't know what, what it was about her. It was just, she gave him a, a kiss on the cheek and was like, I love you, but I have to amputate your arm. <laughs> it was just so adorable. It just made me think I would totally let her cut off my arm any day. So Vanessa Smythe <laughs> is, is my pick. All right. You're going back to The Expanse well. I, I love The Expanse, man. That is just the best show ever. I, I, I hope you guys do it. Like, I want you guys to see it, but I would love to hear the last time on treatment for this series. <laughs> I haven't watched it, so yeah, I haven't I, I watched. I've only seen the pilot, so it is oh, ripe for this show. Perhaps if you win this season, this you can force <laughs> us to. Well, I, I see what you did there. Uh, <laughs> if you win this season, Vic, you can force Ben and I to watch it. I don't know what you'll we'll figure it out. Yeah, we'll figure it out when we get there. I'm yeah, not worried about uh, it. Yours right are turning. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, I will go next. And I decided I wanted to go with somebody who is going to be able to have, I, I don't know, I, I was just like, who has the right feel, the right presence, and is just somebody who I am excited every time I see them on TV, and, you know, hey, maybe they're not going to be in every episode, but when they show up, I'm like, heck yeah, this person. And so I decided to go with Linda Cardellini. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good pick. Again, I gotta. I feel so out of the loop every time you guys mention someone. I'm like, I'm gonna have to Google this. So Linda Cardellini. Most recently, is... she's been playing Laura Barton, Hawkeye's wife, in the uh, MCU. Hawkeye's movies. wife. Okay. She oh wow, was that is also a great, yeah. Velma in the 2000 Scooby Doo stuff, and then yeah. she was uh, Freaks and Geeks. One of the right. Yeah, Freaks and Geeks. Dead to Me. She's been in a whole bunch of stuff. She's yeah. she's great, and I'm always excited. I'm like, oh right, yeah, Linda Cardellini. Awesome. Oh, uh, wow. she was I, in Mad Men too. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, that's good. for my pick, I want 
I'm assuming Dr. Frazier was in the movie. I don't actually know because I haven't seen it and can't watch it. And I can't also Google it. So (laughs) running on that logic, I'm thinking, okay, I want someone who can handle a role that's been established and still make it their own. Right. And when I think about that movie, but go ahead. (laughs) Well, thanks for shitting in my cereal. (laughs) Just lie to me. I'll never know. Oh, come on. Okay. (laughs) I will probably actually go and watch the movie when we're totally should, but totally should. Anyways, I'm I'm thinking of someone who can do a bit of action, someone who can still pull at your heartstrings and someone who can get a good joke in from time to time. And keeping all that in mind, I was thinking Elizabeth shoe would be really good at the role. I like the shoe karate kid and God, we were just talking Jennifer in back to the future, Jennifer and back to the future. That's it. She was in the first season of the boys. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, I will put these. Also a descendant of pilgrim leader, William Brewster. I found out today. Do you mean right now? (laughs) Yeah. I mean, literally while I was on Wikipedia looking at her article. Yes. (laughs) Nicely done. Well, I will put these up in the Dominion Media Research Lab for the listeners to vote on. Uh, Speaking of which, our results are in from last week's recasting for General Hammond. And Ben, you got the pick this time. Timothy Timothy Onmanson is our new General Hammond for our fantasy recast. I didn't know I was allowed to win. It's not a competition. It's not a competition, of course, but uh, but Ben finally won. Yeah. (laughs) Speaking of competitions... Our new episode is Heroes Part 2 that begins with, and now the conclusion. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And we, we hit, it's, hey, it's Fejo. Well, I yeah, am it's, so it's glad Saul you Rubinette. knew that. Yeah. It, He's also on Warehouse 13, which was one of my predictions. That was your exact prediction. This is what, like the third time you've <laughs> rolled right into <laughs> I I promise I am not having prescient visions. Oh, no, he's just that cheating. sounds like someone. That sounds like something a time traveler would say. <laughs> you know, I'm not a time traveler because I'm not filthy rich off magic cards. We've established this. I would not have had to have rushed home from work if I was a time traveler. <laughs> well, maybe you're just not a very good time traveler. <laughs> that I mean, if my plan is vintage magic cards, you've got a solid point. <laughs> but so we we come in with Saul Rubinek. He is our our intrepid reporter. And we open yeah. in media, media blackout. I wrote that down. I was very proud of that. That's a good one. <laughs> good joke, Ben. That can go in the book. Yeah. He wants some footage, uh, but something big is happening and he isn't allowed to capture the footage that he desires. We get a bunch of hubbub about teams being dispatched and then we go straight to theme. Yeah. So, yeah, Saul Rubinak is our big guest star for this episode. Uh, one of many. That's- yeah. Oh, yeah. One of many. Our, our, our yeah. first big guest star of the episode, as uh, Jaffer pointed out, he was to me. He is one of the most memorable villains in Star Trek TNG. He was Kivas Faj. <sighs> I'm gonna have to edit that out. My cat just knocked my pot pie off the table into the carpet. God damn it! As Jaffer pointed uh, out, he's Kivas uh, Fajo. Kivas Fajo, one of my favorite. I think he was one of the most memorable villains in Star Trek TNG. He was the guy for listeners out there who don't recognize him. He was the guy who captured Data and tried to add him to his toy collection. <laughs> Yeah, the guy that Data totally killed. Totally killed. He, he tried to. Totally. He tried to. Well, yeah, he him. didn't. the The weapon was turned off mid transport, but Data totally killed that dude and then totally lied about it. <laughs> uh, but also, he's also plays a journalist in one of my favorite movies, Unforgiven. So I was excited mm. to see see him. Uh, I need to rewatch Unforgiven as a journalist again. 
Nice, nice. Yeah, and of course he's the he's one of the main characters in Warehouse 13. I only saw a few episodes of that when when it came out, but uh, I really dug that show when it yeah. was airing. It was a really interesting premise. I really liked it. Yeah, yeah, it, well, it's a fun show. What was the thing that he said? There's something I need to snag, bag, and tag, something like that. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. yeah. I wonder if we could get a fan theory going that this is the character from Warehouse 13, like before, like the maybe, maybe yeah. he transitions to a career in the NID. They seem like the kind of shady organization that would maintain Warehouse 13. Yeah, but have a warehouse full of artifacts. <laughs> and also, I want to tie that into Indiana Jones because at the very ending, I swear to God, that's Warehouse 13. It is. No, of- no, no, no. They, they, the Ark of the Covenant is at Warehouse 13. That's oh, it is. Oh, yeah. Okay, cool. Of course, <laughs> I don't think it looks. I don't know if they show it, but they reference it. Nice in an episode. I'm pretty sure. Awesome. So we have a journalist here. He is interviewing people, and mm-hmm. they make it, it. It is kind of unclear throughout the course of the episode. They make it more explicit at the end. Like this is for the government. It is not like he's not he's not working for an ABC affiliate or something. Yeah, <laughs> um, yeah. it feels like this is a favor to the president. Yeah, like more the president's than anything like, else. Hey, tell me about this Stargate thing, but like, don't write me a report. I want to watch TV about it. What kind of president would insist on getting their news through the TV instead of reading reports? That's absurd, Ben. That will never happen in our lifetimes. Mm. But also, I I feel like though he is a a document. A documentary and by trade like i feel like this is the equivalent of like the president asking oh god i talked about him last episode richard david attenborough. david attenborough yeah it's like <laughs> asking david attenborough to document a secret government program that maybe one day the people will get to see this documentary that's the only way this makes sense because watching this first thought is that there's no way they would ever send a a civilian from National Geographic to a government installation like this. Like the, the Air Force, the every branch of the military has their own public affairs division. Mm-hmm. And they, they are the ones who would be making doing the documentary. this documentary. Yeah. 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 So, but I mean, for the sake of, of making an episode of Stargate, they're just saying that the president ordered it. So that I, yeah. I, I can make I mean, that he does, sense. He does talk about being embedded in Vietnam yeah. at one point. And so he might be, in universe a very famous wartime reporter well, so yeah. actually he's and talking about talking to a guy who was embedded in vietnam oh, well he was in was vietnam it? with the guy yeah no. i thought that's what it was no he interviewed the guy talking? 25 years later oh oh, oh, okay. oh you're right yeah that is how that story went yeah right. yeah but we that was his life that got saved yeah. this the first little bit after the the intro got me and you guys can all appreciate it now as we've all done some editing Watching them <laughs> fake edit. So this is fake 90s editing right fake here, 90. where it's just like, all right, and now bring up that other clip. And it's just like, boop, yep. okay, already done. <laughs> it's like, no, you got to like scroll and like <laughs> 90s computers oh, can't do work. this, man. And, yeah. And <laughs> I, I've got, I got a very good appreciation seeing as how I've, I've personally edited the last few episodes of last time on for as part of my podcaster initiation ritual. Here. And you're only editing <laughs> one thing you don't have like yeah, I'm not even five different interviews yeah. and you're trying to slice them one together. continuous stream <laughs> that you just take words out of <laughs> yeah and he's so Saul Rubinick our reporter Bregman is getting Bregman, mad because all he's got is talking heads and no stop making sense there's no action ah. there's no 
I, I was proud of that. Okay. <laughs> there's no there's no action. There's no, like, there, there. It's just people talking about being at the Stargate without yeah. seeing what they're doing. Actually showing the Stargate, because I'm guessing he's not allowed to shoot the actual Stargate on Stargate, yeah. video. And, and as he says this, <laughs> we cut over to an boring. active war zone. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I mentioned at the top of the episode that I'm still still sad about this and I, I i need to feel like i need to cheer myself up here so okay so what can we do to cheer me cheer me up guys let's let's play a game let's play timey liney this is no time to argue about time we don't have the time all right all right <laughs> so when our when we last saw our heroes they were sending jonas back through the stargate to go home mm-hmm. And Daniel Jackson had returned. So Jonas goes home and Jonas was exiled by his people because, you know, his 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 home planet is kind of in ruins right now after being attacked by Anubis. And instead of a hero's welcome, those people are like, boo, you screw you. This is all your fault. You brought the stupid aliens here. So Jonas goes into exile and he finds himself a little cave somewhere in and let's say the equivalent of Florida on his home planet, just something, someplace nobody cares about. And and while he's in exile, he feels kind of guilt-stricken about leaving Daniel Jackson with his memories erased. So he's he, he feels bad about that. So what he wants to do is he wants to make a right of it. So he figures the Guawuld are the only ones that he knows of that could have the technology to give Daniel Jackson his memories back. So he sets off in a Quadria bomb in the Florida of his home planet, attracting uh, the Guauld. <laughs> but Vic, <laughs> yes, didn't sir. the Florida of his planet already get destroyed by an Aquantria bomb? That's why, uh, yes, and that's why he went there to blow up another one to minimize casualties because the ah. only people caught in the blast would be people who are dumb enough to go back to Florida. So <laughs> so no real loss there. Okay. So Space he sets Florida it off. Man. Space Florida man. <laughs> Double nuked. Double, Double super nuke Florida. space Florida man. <laughs> so the ghoul, they detect the Naquadria and they come zooming in. Jonas hitches a ride on the ghoul ship, stows away, and he sneaks through the vents and he's searching for technology. He's hacking into the computers because, you know, he's smart. He's the smartest guy on their home planet, so he can figure out how to do this. Yeah. And he finds a clip show device there on the gold ship and he's like this if there's anything that can help return daniel jackson's memories it's this clip show device so he signals start he hacks into the computers to signal stargate command diverts the ship to the planet with the nearest stargate and steals a gold shuttle so the so sg1 or S, they send sg5 or whoever's available to go rendezvous with jonas and to get the clip show device but he's detected so he steals a gold shuttle goes down to the planet and he's running across the field with the clip show device. So he's taking fire and then the SG team gets ambushed. And then that brings us to where we are now with the, with the SG team under fire. Jonas is, I don't know. He's, he's dead. He, he got blown. He crashed the goal. Well, Vic, you're forgetting yeah. <laughs> the awesome motorcycle chase. There was an awesome motorcycle chase. Yes. Because the SG team, the SG five that was sent to go recover him were in the middle of their annual motocross rally. at the time. <laughs> so they were like, ah, oh, God, this is the worst time ever. But SG five were the only ones who were available. So they had to ride their motorcycles 
through the Stargate and went through the gate. And Gould, they hate motorcycles, man. Anything with two wheels, they just know. They're, that is a, a religious thing with them. Like any wheeled vehicle has to have minimum five wheels. So they're all just like, kill the heretics. The SG team gets blasted, pinned down. They call in the Gould airstrikes. And, and and that's when that's when the alarms go off at SG Command. They have to send in a team to go rescue SG Five, and they had to ditch their motorcycles. There, yeah. <laughs> so one thing we learn about they are going in to to rescue some SG people who are trapped. And according to the the episode description, they left half of SG Thirteen behind. But there seems mm-hmm. to be a lot more than two guys trapped on this planet. Which tells us that there are different sized SG teams. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And so I don't know. That's, that makes sense. That's just interesting. You, you to have me. a scouting team. You have mm-hmm. a diplomat diplomatic team. You have you would have a rescue team theoretically that might be a bit larger. That makes sense to me. And we yeah. we run into the leader. So there's this giant firefight happening here. People running around shooting all the action that Bregman was hoping to get into his documentary. And we meet the yeah. the leader of SG thirteen, Adam Baldwin. Ah, I was gonna ask if you guys <laughs> clocked this guy. Yeah, it's Jane. Yep, <laughs> Jane. It's Jane's gra- uh, great great grandfather. Uh, we see a ton of Jaffa by the farm here, including three to an RPG. Which feel free to correct me here, Vic. That is not that weapon's intended use. Yeah, no, that's, that's that was an AT four he fired. It's for blowing up tanks. And if that was an AT four, it's the weakest one I've ever seen. <laughs> I've, I've only ever seen seen one live once in my entire life, thank God. But uh, <laughs> I imagine it's a bad day when you see because those are anti-vehicle weapons. Anti-tank, yeah. The only time I yeah. ever saw one fired was God twenty years ago in basic training, and okay. the explosion is a lot bigger than than what was portrayed here. And yeah. if it was a real one, the guy who who fired it, he'd have a, like seven concussions instantly. <laughs> now yeah. I will say, it's, as exciting as this action sequence is, it it. It makes me mad, and it brings back the complaint I made, or the prediction I made earlier. We know they've killed, by this point, scores of Jaffa. Yeah. They have encountered different species, different races, and more advanced humans. We know Mm -hmm. several of our SG-1 members have snazers, and yet they're all (laughs) running around with conventional 1990s, early 2000s guns. They yeah. did not. They have not <laughs> adopted. They have not reverse engineered. They haven't well, updated. Ben, we've seen conventional human weapons rip through Jaffa, and we see our heroes regularly survive getting hit with Jaffa weapons. That is true. That is true. <laughs> maybe, maybe they're just better. <laughs> I, I guess the downside of a, I mean, a Jaffa stick. Uh, I think it's inferred that they have infinite ammo. Those those things because yeah, there was that been one working plan. for hundreds of years in yeah. the Wild West. So I guess that's the, the downside is they have infinite ammo but low DPS. But <laughs> yeah. human guns have high DPS but limited ammo. So that's that's got to be the trade off there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I got to imagine that the SG team, our SG one team, uses snazers because they have a stun setting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No stun setting and, and on, on an M4. I think they're a diplomatic <laughs> scouting team. If you were to align all of the SG-1 teams with their jobs, 
that's what you would probably classify SG One has. Uh, Jafar, I mean, they get I captured would call O'Neill a lot of things. Diplomatic yeah. is not one of them. <laughs> Look, yeah, that's a... he's the scouting part. <laughs> so yeah. there's this big firefight, and O'Neill gets shot. Like, bad. yeah, he, he catches a flanking Jaffa and gets just buys it. And almost gets taken out by a Jaffa airstrike in that same yeah. scene, uh, who is piloted piloted by a stormtrooper. Because God, that guy can't hit shit, man. <laughs> he's <laughs> he's he's dropping bombs in the forest, like next to the battle. <laughs> I don't know what was up with that? Yeah, that, that guy just hates trees. Well, that's because last yeah. time on the previous <laughs> planet that Jaffa were subjugating was a planet of tree people. And so he just went back into like, haha, I'm going to get these suckers. You know, there's lots of things you expect in war. Carnage, the sleepless nights. But what they don't prepare you for is the incessant use of fortunate sun. Pretty much led to believe here that O'Neill is dead. Yes. He's, and we will hear for the rest of the episode that there is a casualty. Someone on the team, very valuable to the Stargate program, has not made it home in one piece. And we are led to believe that it is O'Neill for 75% of this episode. Did, yeah. did any of us here actually believe that it was that O'Neill was dead? So at the start of this episode, there's this big emergency, right? And I actually watched the credits this time. And I noticed that MacGyver is an executive producer on this show. Yes, he is. Oh. And so I... Yeah, and I saw that. It's like Richard Dean Anderson, executive producer. I'm just like, oh, he makes it to the end. Yeah. Yeah. You know, being executive producer on the show and get killed off. And then minutes later, we get this scene. I was thinking that he, if anything, if he does actually die, then by next episode is going to be all about resurrecting him somehow with some kind of magic Jaffa device or something. We hear so, about resurrection in this all episode. The time. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, I wouldn't have been surprised if it was... Hey, the next, like, because we are episode 18, so we got, like, four, six episodes left in the season. Yep. I wouldn't be surprised mm-hmm. if he was, like, not in the next six, and then, oh, hey, I'm, I'm taking some time off because yeah. we've been making this show for seven years. But I've got to go do a B-movie for Hallmark <laughs> or something. Or yeah. I've just made so much money doing long-running syndicated TV show. I've lightened my workload. But they, they are playing so cute with it for the next 35 minutes that the cynic in me is just like, okay, I know it's not, it's not O'Neill. But we come back and Bregman actually gives a really great speech about the freedom of the press. And oh yeah, how, he was super angry mm-hmm. in that one. Yeah, how important it is that I don't care that you don't want me to see, I have to see, this isn't a totalitarian country You don't get to decide that's what makes America great. And that's what freedom (laughs) is. And everybody's just like, shut up, go talk to the janitor. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then we get our second awesome guest star of this episode, or third, if we count Adam Baldwin. I was so happy because... Please state the nature of the medical emergency. Robert Picardo shows up. Yeah. Yes. I'm just all like, fuck, yes, this is a treat. Please, Please state, state the, the nature, nature of, of your- the Stargate emergency. <laughs> He's got some notes from some senator who probably fucking hates freedom. <laughs> and he's he's there to conduct an investigation on behalf of NID. Yep. Which we know previously is the National Inventory of Dams. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Uh, and we learn he's part of NID through this, but only after a scandal forced him out of public service. Yeah, he was he was guilty of insider trading, it sounded like. Yes. So, yeah. so you know what he's going to do now? He's going to get a government job. Hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, 
It's hard to commit insider trading when you're the head of the FTC. Anyways, Ugh. we get another style of interview here. Yeah, uh, I, I is... love we're getting good cop, bad cop interviews. Just two different people doing two different sets of interviews. Yeah, yeah the juxtaposition was excellent. It's a significantly less guarded interview, but no less true answers than what we had for our documentarian. I really appreciated this. Mm-hmm. This is very well done. DJ and Teal'c not being actual military members are notably less cooperative. <laughs> I loved that. Mm-hmm. I love I love Teal was just like, oh, what the man. fuck are you going to do? <laughs> <laughs> I did appreciate this is where we find out the reason they were on the planet was to get data from a crystal in a temple, but they never tell us what the data was. So gentlemen, let's get weird with it. Let's get Is this what we think the data was? Yeah, what was the data? What the data what did they, actually is? We find out it wasn't weapons, but we don't find yeah. out what it was. It is a Gould cookbook. Damn it, that's it's what got, I was going to say. It's got <laughs> it's exactly the what fluffiest fucking pancakes you've ever had in your life. <laughs> I would think that Gould food is terrible. That's why they're so evil. Okay, so if you said cookbook, I'm going to say it's one of their most cherished collection of yearbook photos from the Jaffa Training Academy. <laughs> okay. <laughs> when they were little young teenage Jaffa going through the the Jaffa school to be evil evil goons. Yeah. Cuz there's got to be an evil goon academy that the ghoul set up. Oh yeah, all the yeah. system lords. Yeah. They're all frat <laughs> brothers or something, I'm sure. <laughs> see, they seem like the type. Did you see Teal at a frat party? <laughs> I shall now attempt the kickstand. <laughs> 25 seconds. Acceptable. So, uh, or I get to go. I get to go. Oh, pick. sorry. <laughs> so I think that it is actually they found a a Gawuld recreation facility, and it's a bunch of Gawuld games, but oh, it's not. Awesome. It's like whatever ones they happen to have there, and we don't know it, but they're actually like bad games. Like it's like their ET. Well, they found like they found the Gawuld Oya. Which was that Hubert. streaming streaming game service thing oh, that yeah, like, completely that thing that collapsed. Yeah. And so they're like, ah, this must have been the pinnacle of Google technology. And everybody who's an alien is just like, oh, no, a, that was left behind because nobody wanted to bring it to the new place. <laughs> it's, it's a Sega Saturn. Yep. Speaking of video games, we we have a scene where Saul Rubinek is interviewing, I gotta say, one of my, my favorite background character on the show. I still haven't caught his name. But the, the guy with the glasses who operates the Iris. Yes. And the Stargate, mm-hmm. he's saying, oh, yeah, this machine, it's, it's where guys play Space Invaders. And he's like, I'm just kidding. No, no one would ever do that at work. Yeah, very <laughs> unprofessional, yeah. But you know you know who this guy reminds me of? Freaking Corwin from Babylon 5. <laughs> That's a this, vibe. He's got the same vibe as Corwin. <laughs> yeah. I like this guy. He's the guy who will make a joke and then immediately be like, hey, hey, I'm I was sorry. making a joke. Please don't yell at me. <laughs> Please do not get me in trouble. <laughs> uh, after this, we learned that Dan Jackson went in with Frazier as a medic. Yeah. That makes no sense I was all. wondering what he was doing there. Yeah, why did they send an archaeologist on a rescue mission? Yeah, it didn't make sense for him to go. Oh, oh I'm going to say, last time on, he learned that with his memory being still gone, he someone told him that he's a, referred to him as Dr. Jackson. He's like, oh. I'm a doctor, and he just started working in the in the sick bay there just because <laughs> he didn't really know what kind of doctor he was. And he's like, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing. Heart surgery. Ah, uh, there's like, what the hell are you doing here? See, get out of here. Go read some books. 
Dan Jackson feels to me like the kind of guy who he seems like, you know, he's a smart guy. He's an autodidact, like he's teaching himself everything. It feels to me like he knows he's not a medical doctor, but people have confused it enough that he's just like, okay, I need to learn some medicine. Um, I'm not correcting you, you idiots anymore. (laughs) Like, Dr. Jackson, come, we need help. And it's like, okay, I can explain to you that I have two doctorates in archaeology (laughs) or I can like patch this guy up (laughs) and it it makes no sense to me that uh, that uh, dr frazier would have been sent out into the field under live fire to do a a medic's job that's like sending a surgeon on the ambulance to someone's house to do surgery at their house that yeah yeah, you keep the doctor at the hospital with stuff medical equipment yeah (laughs) Yeah. that's what you were looking for ben well i've medical stuff the stuff stuff you know the pokey stuff the stitchy stuff the 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 band-aid stuff the stuff yeah that's what they say yeah in the operating room hand me the stuff we found out that he recorded some last words on the battlefield yep and uh uh tries to collect the camera and fails yes yeah, we get the flashback. Something else I noticed about this episode, because Fejo goes in there, t- talks to DJ. Mm-hmm. It goes to the flashback with Daniel Jackson holding the camera with the last mm-hmm. words of the bleeding extra there. Uh, there's a Aaron lot Wells. of that in this episode. Aaron Wells, yeah. There's a lot of jumping back and forth. Uh, this feels like Christopher Nolan-style editing. <laughs> like, it's a uh, bit all over the place. Yeah. Well, because uh, the, the twist of the episode requires... A lot of it to take place after the event without us knowing who died. Yeah. Yeah. The general and Wolsey come to verbal blows and Colonel Rundell here catches Emmett sneaking around as the general is done and says, throw him out on his ass. Yep. (laughs) Get him out of here. But before that happens, after after General Hammond gets grilled by the EMH, he goes over to talk to Carter. Now, this kind of confused me because it seemed like they had run into this guy before like just the i don't know i i assumed that robert picardo it just felt like this wasn't his first appearance but because hammond and him seemed like they knew each other but i could be wrong about that but then yeah especially because he immediately goes to carter and says ask carter if she's talked to agent barrett about this guy to get some background on him oh yeah and that's when they found out that he was doing insider trading and all that yeah but I was I wrote this down because Agent Barrett, uh, my I'm going to say last time on Agent Barrett is a Tokra and he's from he's in Tokra intelligence and he's their go to guy for background stuff. Oh, and for our listeners, so if you're just joining us previously, we had established that the Tokra are turtle people. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And they're, they're like the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but not the normal Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. <laughs> They're the extra mutated Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secrets of <laughs> Secret the Ooze. That's how <laughs> I vision them in my head, at least. Okay, because I, I was I wrote it down. I've been meaning to ask you, Jafar, since, since you're the one who came up with this fan theory of ours. Do the Tok'ra, do they walk on all fours or do they stand upright? Oh, they're bipedal. They're Please. bipedal yeah. bipedal turtles. Okay, cool. That's yeah. important for me. I need But, this. yeah, and they've got the big, <laughs> like, snapping claw thing. Like, they got... Sharp mouths. <laughs> uh, but they do have do the ability have? to slide on their, their tails and do a double well, kick. Three fingers like, oh, what's... Michelangelo? No, Turtle turtle Godzilla. Oh, Gamera. Gam- is that Gamera? Yeah. It's Gamera. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Gamera, his, his super move is he can pull in all his appendages and turn into like a UFO. Yeah. And <laughs> he's badass. Yeah. I'm honestly, right now, 
terrified that I'm so wrong about the Tok'ra and we've already met one and just didn't even know. That's how we roll here on last time on. Fuck it. They're the wronger people. we are, you the better the show. can't convince me otherwise. <laughs> it, they're, they're called the Tok'ra. Come on. That's a turtle-sounded fucking name. <laughs> if, I, if I get a pet turtle again, I'm going to name it Tok'ra. Hell yeah. <laughs> so where are we now? Uh, so the, uh, general, they... uh, the general is staying, toss Emmett out. Emmett says, I want to use your red phone to make a special phone call. Yeah. And then we find out that not only is Emmett not kicked out and still has his studio, but is now getting more shit. Yeah. yeah. He gets the tape. I, I makes felt a phone call, something man. was up here because we immediately go from the scene of General Hammond telling Saul Rubinek to fuck off and get out of his mountain and then very next scene, he goes to Daniel Jackson and says, I've been ordered to turn over the tape to the guy I just kicked out. And I feel like something was edited out. I want to, it makes me want to get the, the Blu-ray to see if there were deleted scenes here because I feel like something was missing. I, he immediately kicks him out and then invites him back in. No, yeah. no context here. It's like, it felt well, a little disjointed. I assume that we missed some stuff in the first episode that maybe makes us make a little more sense. Yeah. If he's already like called the president three times to get shit, they just weren't <laughs> going to do that again. And Victor, um, I do have a question for you as somebody who has mm-hmm. been on a military installation. If a general kicked you out, how long would you be on that installation? <laughs> fuck dude. I never heard of it. You'd have to fuck up really bad for a general to kick you off the base, dude. Oh my god. Yeah, but would Even you would guys, it be UWIs. Would there be time for everybody to put Minutes, all of your equipment back into the half the, hour the the boxes? Yeah. Or would you be I imagine if that, fifteen seconds later? <laughs> I imagine if that happened, they had a car waiting outside for you and, and some security get some MPs would escort you out and would escort you to the fucking to the gates and give you the boot <laughs> shred your id card yeah you're you're out you, you, yeah he wouldn't have time to go chill like he's doing here <laughs> but this is uh, when uh, bregman gets to see the tape and we see yeah what happens yeah. oh that was brutal yeah we see that the it wasn't casualty is dr frazier and it's all caught on dj's pocket cam i i thought of back in star trek tng when tasha yara was killed off i guess that, that was just unceremonious and you know mm-hmm. she's just gone but this much more well done as in it was just a stray shot from a jaffa it felt really real you know because mm-hmm. that's what happens in the real world dude just no rhyme or reason just fucking you're you're fine one day next day you're hit by a bus and you're gone we then catch up it's with people heavy. running into so carter goes and visits o'neill and then Dan Jackson goes and visits Wells, and we find out both of them, well, horrifically wounded on this mission, are going to make full recoveries. And mm. this is also one of those totally 90s things where it's, okay, you got shot? Either you'll be fine next episode, or you're dead. We never <laughs> deal with consequences from mm-hmm. you being injured. Did we miss the point where General Hammond goes in and talks to Picardo one more time? Really? We already, we, we passed that, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, d- I just wrote down, I was going to ask you guys, when he walks in, Tosses some files on his desk and says, "I've prepared a written testimony." Yep. And Picardo opens it up. With, was any anyone else expecting just to look down at the paper? He opens up and just see one sheet of paper that says, "Go fuck yourself." <laughs> <laughs> DJ checks in on our airman, who is going to make the full recovery, as well. Uh, Teal'c gives Carter his eulogy. This is a weird, weird twist to have her read it. 
since it's Jaffa tradition to list all the weird sex stuff you wanted to do with their person in movies. <laughs> Makes for a very awkward scene in a couple of minutes. Jaffa customs, man. Who, <laughs> yeah, they're who just, knew? They're just different. Emmett gives DJ the tape back, but he wants him to use it. And then the memorial service starts in front of the Stargate because new sets are expensive. Well, also <laughs> because it is now Stargate tradition that when you have a, a funeral, they just put in some random numbers and just shove you through the Stargate. <laughs> you it, you just get sent back, right? That's what happens when you do bad coordinates. It doesn't, don't you just like pop back? It's like the scene in The Big Lebowski. They throw the ashes and then the wind blows it back in their face. You can't do that, Ben. <laughs> Carter lists everyone who still has an acting job. Hollywood is a brutal town. <laughs> this is a cool thing. Uh, hey, our, our doctor died. Let's list all of the characters she saved. Like that is, that is a cool yeah. thing. Yeah, I like that. Yeah, you know when you when you pause if you, if you guys are watching this on Amazon Video, how it brings up the X ray mm -hmm. thing and tells yeah. you that name of the actors. So I paused this because I had to go to the bathroom and I came back. Yeah, and I saw on the screen it said one of one one of Saul Rubinek's camera crew guys. His name was Airman Shep Wickenhouse. Like that was the name of his character. What the hell kind of name is that to Shep Wickenhouse? Shep Wickenhouse. See, Vic, when you've been coming up with background character names for seven seasons, sometimes you come up with a Shep Wickenhouse, okay? Just, I don't, they didn't even mention his name in the whole damn show. So it's like, Shep Wickenhouse, who the hell? Yeah. And this all goes into the documentary, which turns into some real rah, 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 dead poor kids from all over the country gave their lives to stop tyrants and not just for rubber and oil. Mm -hmm. That yeah. said, as somebody who sometimes does voiceover professionally, it made me wonder, who did the voiceover for this video? Because it's not Saul Rubinek. It's not any of the people on his team. Somebody had to it's narrate... It's Saul Rubinek? No. Somebody had to narrate this. And so now there's another person who knows all about the Stargate. And it's just like, oh, right. <laughs> I totally thought it was Saul Rubinek. No. <laughs> well, fuck me. The general <laughs> likes the moving picture, though. I went to one DJ of them Nickelodeons to... one time. I didn't like it, but this was pretty good. <laughs> DJ goes to visit the airman and his newborn. They named her Janet after Dr. Frazier. That was super sweet. O'Neill finally interviews for Emmett to credits. Mm -hmm. And you know, that's I, our episode. It was not until uh, we started recording this podcast that it clicked for me why the sudden heel turn where they turn around and decide, yeah, you know what? This guy's not so bad. Let's cooperate and do his documentary. It's because it's because of Robert Picardo. He came in and he was just a dick to them doing the interviews. And it made them realize like, oh, wow, the other guy's interviews aren't so bad in comparison. You know? <laughs> it also For made sure. me as somebody who's worked on productions, you finished the documentary and now you're adding a whole nother person to interview. He's not doing the editing. He's yelling at the guy doing the editing. Fair enough. That does make yeah. it easy. <laughs> he was yelling at Shep, Mr. Wickenhouse. Wickenhouse! Tinkleberg. All right. Well, that is it. So yeah. we've got some predictions. We do. And some dice to roll. But before we get to that. Before we get to hey, that. Vic, hey, Vic. You got results from the lab in? Uh, last do. time's predictions yes let me go pull those up right now let me uh oh i got my lab assistant here handing them to me i, I think these are from last week wasn't it yes mine, uh, mine was the gundams so if you see the gundam prediction yes okay 
So who had uh, Jonas Returns? Well, you both did, right? That was both of you guys had the prediction on that mm-hmm. one. But you specifically had the prediction, Jaffer, that he returns with the power of friendship and a, yes. and a ton of... That's bonus. my bonus point, is if he uh, returns with the power of friendship. Well, with 17 votes, that got the most votes out of, out of all of our predictions. That's and my extra point. I <laughs> have not confirmed that with the gatekeeper i haven't talked to her okay. i'm waiting for her to text me back she's out at renaissance fair right now but awesome i feel okay. like i'm i'm still on damage control for doing the one thing she asked me not to do with recording this podcast by watching this episode so <laughs> she took it better than i was expecting she only threatened to quit on me once so okay <laughs> But we've been friends for God since I was a teenager. So of all the of all the stupid shit I've done that she's put up with, this doesn't even make the top ten. So I think we'll okay. be okay. So uh, next, there's a oh yeah, next was the mech suit battle. So that one got four votes. However, I went to the TV tropes bet database, which is really great. It's perfect for what we're doing here, and okay. I could not find a listing for SG one. But once again. There was a listing for a mech suit battle in Stargate Atlantis. So. God damn it. <laughs> All right. No points for that. And your third prediction, your big prediction was was guest stars from from Warehouse 13 and Eureka show. So yep. I did. I did look up on IMDb that a Eureka actress does show up. What is her name here? Sally Richardson, who portrayed Allison Blake on Eureka. She was one of the main characters. She does make a SG-1 guest appearance. So we have at least one from Eureka and then at least one from Warehouse 13. Take it. All right. That brings me up to 32 points for the season. Holy shit. Wow, good job. So, Ben, this one must be yours. Jonas pilots his own spacecraft? Uh, well, that, was was my, that was my turns. So it was oh, right, right, right. So as a piloting. bonus if it was if he was piloting in his own spaceship. So okay, so yeah, so you got the point, the one point for returning, but only two votes on the piloting his own spaceship. But your next prediction, I'm going to say that's confirmed. Six people voted that yes, Daniel Jackson downloads somebody else's memories into his brain. Well, so or, okay. that was kind. Of, so it was he gets his memories back plus. So yeah, yeah he gets more so memories, memories than he had originally. But yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah we're good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So something that wasn't there before. Yeah. But I'm afraid it's a negative for Anubis's identity revealed, and that's a character we've seen before. Ah, Zero okay. vote for that one. Yeah. Ah, bummer. Just like my prediction of a Lost in the Desert episode, which I'm actually happy I didn't get, because good lord, those are so boring to watch. And also, uh, no mention of, of the SG-1 team riding horses in the battle, so no points for that. But I did get my three-pointer for a wedding episode. <laughs> Ooh. No, thankfully. Hopefully, uh... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, thankfully... Uh one spoiled it so oh although we did get a comment in the lab from chris clements who gave us some interesting background info without any spoilers he says he thinks it's hilarious that the colonians are from the langara system because Kelowna is a town in british columbia canada and langara college is in vancouver and that is apparently nearby where SG-1 was filmed. Oh, <laughs> so somebody was just like, okay, I drove they by this the... thing. And then... Someone's like, oh shit, we need a name for the planet. Just look outside the window, street signs. <laughs> that reminds me here in Southeast Michigan, there's a town called Algonac. And I've always wanted to make that the name of an evil wizard in a D&D campaign. That, yeah, that sounds oh, like that a dragon. Became... That sounds like an ancient yeah. dragon. <laughs> I'm Algonac. <laughs> you are searching for Algonac's horde. All right. Well, I'm going to roll some dice here. Roll them and bones. Pull up that episode. All right. 
That is a 16. 16. Oh, bang. So we're going to be watching Season 8, Episode 12, Prometheus Unbound. That sounds... With the Atlantis team, oh. unheard since they left, a mission has been greenlighted to take the starship Prometheus to the Pegasus gal- Galaxy. Well, this is off the fucking chain. I didn't realize these shows overlapped. <laughs> yeah. I did not know these shows overlapped. I did not know we had spaceships to go to other galaxies. That's <laughs> absurd. That's space magic. That shit's impossible. Yeah. They have wormholes, Jafar. Yeah, I... Look, they got Stargates. Like, yeah, I get yeah. it, right? Like, it's... Somehow that makes more sense than an actual spaceship could somehow warp speed to another galaxy like now that would so, be that would be insane yeah but the, if the they, stargate there makes they, more sense yeah all of the space travel we've seen has been not stargate-esque it's been it's been moving through space doing its thing i don't know i don't know it depends on how fast they travel we just don't know but yeah. we might find out next episode it's season eight, episode twelve, Prometheus Unbound. Prometheus Unbound sounds like a smutty romance novel title. <laughs> I was just thinking that. <laughs> it's no, on I'm... sale next to Fifty Shades Freed. <laughs> All right. Well, okay. I will go ahead with my predictions first. Lincoln, what are you doing up there? Guessing. I guess no one's coming. I have seen into the future. You ruined the prophecy. All right. Uh, we are hitting a danger zone with these predictions. We're running out I of time. I have to admit. Well, we're not only running out of time, but we've also watched more of this show than we have anything else. And I don't remember what I predicted ten episodes ago. We're just gonna have point. to. We're just gonna have to go full fucking full send weird predictions, stuff that we know we never would have said before. <laughs> okay. Well, my daytime prediction. While we will see Doctor characters going forward, we do not have our Doctor Frazier, our, like, staple, they are always our Doctor character. So, Doctor Frazier does not get replaced cast-wise. No replacement? Okay. My evening prediction, Cassie Frazier goes on a mission. Oh, right. Okay. They keep referencing Doctor F- Dr. Fisher's daughter, Cassie, and, like, yeah. how is Cassie? Has anybody talked to Cassie? And it's like, well, she's clearly not in this episode. She comes. Yeah, she, that's right. She shows up. She comes back. Goes on a mission. I, for, I forgot. So I forgot about that. Yeah, Carter says she has to go pick up Cassie. So yep. I guess yeah. Yep. And then my prime time: a Stargate gets blown up, stranding our team on an alien planet. I'm surprised that hasn't happened yet. Yeah, it's a good probably a good has one. probably has. Yeah. <laughs> All right. My first prediction: I think we might have already made, but if we haven't, yeah. I'm going to say that there's a boxing episode. I don't think we've made that prediction, but not, it is a not 90, specifically. 90 sci-fi show. Yep. 90 sci-fi show has to have a boxing episode. Early 2000s sci-fi show has to have a boxing episode. Mm. Those be the rules. <laughs> My evening prediction is the exact opposite, Ben. Dr. Frazier returns. Oh, she Ish. gets resurrected. She might get resurrected. It might be time travel. It might be something pretending to be Dr. Frazier and not actually Dr. Frazier, but the actress comes back and for the most part reprises the role. Okay. <laughs> I'm now imagining like in beer fest, she comes back, but with a cowboy hat <laughs> and it's just like, yes, I'm also Dr. <laughs> Frazier. I'm Dr. Frazier's twin. And don't worry. <laughs> she told me everything about you. So I know all of our inside jokes <laughs> and I know we're all suffering. So if you guys just want to call me Janet, I think that would make it easier on everyone. <laughs> beer fest. 
That's the only movie I've snuck 30 beers into. <laughs> I'm going to need the backstory to that later. <laughs> I, I was not alone in this effort uh, to make it make a lot more sense instantly. But yeah, uh, got really drunk in the theater watching that once. Anyways, uh, my primetime prediction, aliens reveal themselves to Earth's populace before the Stargate program's existence is revealed to the general public. Oh, that's a good one. I'll bet it's going to be the, I'll bet it's the Togra turtle people. Man, I'd love to see some (laughs) snappy turtle people. Awesome. Okay, so that brings it to me. And I got to say, all my preparation for the show, I forgot to do predictions. So I'm going to make these up right here, right now. So my first prediction, as Jafer had mentioned his boxing episode, how that was a staple of the 90s. There's another staple of the 90s that I've noticed that was really weird. I'm going to say there's a basketball episode. Okay. For some reason in science fiction or just the 90s in general, basketball was really cool. Like I, I, I thought about this a while back. Like there was a there was a basketball scene in Alien 4. There was a basketball scene in Escape from L.A. And even on Babylon Crusade, they, they had a fucking basketball court inside the spaceship. So <laughs> basketball was the cool thing back then. So, OK, basketball episode for my medium sized prediction. I'm going to say that Cassie Frazier becomes a villain. And finally, for my jumbo-sized prediction, they fight a dragon. Cool. cool. <laughs> Just leaving it to that. Bonus points if S- it's named Algonac. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Algonac All right. Well, with all that, there's only one thing left to do, and that's say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Ripe, for letting us use Goon Squad as our theme music. We appreciate the hell out of it. It still feels fucking, I just, oh, I love that song. It's a great song. And uh, thank you to everyone in the Dominion Media Research Lab for helping us out. And thank you to Angelo Morris. I hope you can forgive me. I know you've put up with a quarter century worth of my bullshit. So (laughs) we hope to get you on the show eventually. And thank you to Annette Lucina for your photograph of a television that you have licensed under Creative Commons that we turned into our podcast artwork. Thank you for making free art so we could make free art. And we will see you. Feel free to drop. Sorry. And if you're out there and you'd like to participate in the show, join join us our, our group on Facebook or on Discord, or drop us an email at lasttimeon at gmail.com. And we will see you next time on Last Time On. One minute to spare. <laughs>